Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Patch, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal in the podcast car. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? Uh, tired. Ready for it to be Friday, because, uh, pretty sure last time I brought up my new coworker, where I was like, oh, it seems promising, it seems like he's doing all right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what happened over the course of a weekend, because, <laughs> uh, seems like he forgot everything that I taught him and had to basically retrain him at least well I mean the training wasn't over it was just it's ongoing but it basically had to restart <laughs> where like today I was just like yeah you're gonna shadow me again because you need to see how I do this efficiently and correctly and you know I was trying to say it nicer than this obviously yeah <laughs> I'm saying fuck you you're doing it wrong fucking watch me do it but it's like I mean, considering that yesterday we got done with, like, three dozen pieces of the mail at, like, oh, what was that, like, 3.30 or something like that? <laughs> and then today, when, like, that was with him doing it because it took him somehow two hours to scan just, like, three dozen pieces of the mail, and, like, a third of the scans were wrong anyway, so I had to redo right. them. So it's like, I don't know how you take two hours with that because, like, that should be, like, you know, 45 to 60 minutes at most <laughs> like being generous i guess but it's like when i was doing it today it's like we had like 42 and i was like boom 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 go this 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 and everything and it's like we were done by one we were done before lunch basically because we take a little bit of a later lunch and so i was like just my mind just being like uh, i don't know what's going on and i don't it's not gonna get that good <laughs> at this like obviously i get that there's a different stuff i've been there for almost 10 months he's been there for 10 days as of tomorrow as of this recording so yeah. it's like there's a major difference there but uh <laughs> i don't know it's like again i don't know what he's take. like basically if we don't have a lot of mail tomorrow i'm like gonna basically do the inverse where i'm gonna shadow and see how he's doing this process entirely particularly with opening the mail timestamping it and scanning it because it's like you gotta speed that shit up because like he wanted to basically do that part of the mail on monday and I was like, in my mind, I'm like, you can't do that because if we're waiting, because like if he's scanning, other people are going to start labeling the scans yeah. to get them up attached to the claims. And so it's like, if, if you're the one doing that and we have multiple, like, you know, if it's me and somebody else, like from our team labeling, we're going to be sitting there with nothing going down because like I was watching it yesterday while I was waiting because it's like, I can't start labeling until he's here so he can see the proper way to do it. And sometimes they were like, anywhere between like five to 12 minutes between the scans. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? That it's taking that long to do one scan. So it's like, you can't have multiple people sitting there being like, yeah, we'd be there till like midnight. So I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know what I'm dealing with this. And also it's like, I know I'm not good at training because <laughs> it didn't work out with Japan with teaching. So I don't know what's going on with this, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, driving me insane already. Yeah, it's... I don't even know. <sighs> you got some kind of curse aura. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like uh, one of the misers from uh, fucking Year 5 Santa Claus, where apparently every coworker that I touch... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, what would they even turn into in my clutch. Um, <laughs> a, a fucking... I don't know. An anchor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just dragging me down into the fucking sea i don't know it's just what the fuck (laughs) 
But, I mean, last week, uh, after all that shit, I did at least uh, treat myself and I bought Octopath Traveler 2 on my Switch because I was like, I, I need a break from something, and also I worked like 45 hours. I deserve a little treat. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... I honestly, you know, I haven't gotten to play a whole lot of it. Like, I basically got the seven characters they at least handled getting them a little bit better than the first, because, like, you basically would meet them, like, halfway through their chapter one in the first game, and mm-hmm. then it would flash back to see how they got there, and then being like, all right, you want to you wanna tag along with this thing, I guess, which created, created a lot of silly situations. Like, if you chose, like, the cleric girl as, like, your main character that would be in your party all the time until you finished her entire story... Yeah. You can immediately walk over and join the heist by helping the thief, which is, like, very funny with Ophelia being, like, the whole, like, I am the purest of the cast here. I need to do this secret <laughs> mission. But, by the way, I need to rob a fucking mansion. Because <laughs> fuck rich people, I guess. <laughs> so it created funny situations like that. Like, this one, it's, like, more like you meet the character after their first chapter in one case like two chapters in like with like oswald it was like oh yeah if you like go and want to see his chapter one you'll be just doing this until you finish the chapter two so i was like i'm not going to do that because i don't want to be stuck with this this guy for two <laughs> chapters at the moment but yeah you find them like afterwards and then they're like you know you, there's like a little like scene where it's like you help each other out and then we're, we're, the two are like yeah we should probably like uh help each other out here overall huh and then yeah. they do that, and then it like gives you the option of viewing their chapter one right there. But if you don't want to at the moment, you can skip it. They'll still be like level one character. You can go back afterwards, and and see it. And like they basically transferred their like items, money, and levels gained and stuff like that, like afterwards. Yeah. But it's like it's only them in that chapter, plus like some NPC party or not NPC, but like uh, temporary party members. <laughs> so you're not just stuck with like you're, like, potentially having, like, a level 20 main character with a level 1, so <laughs> makes it a little bit more balanced. But, uh, yeah, they basically seem like they recognize that a lot of people had a bit of an issue in the first game where you really wouldn't use all of the characters, <laughs> like, to inter- like change them out and stuff, because, like, each of them had basically, like, their, like, main, like, field ability that basically were parallels of each other. Like, one character could buy items from others, but the other could just steal if they were high enough level. <laughs> kind of deal like in this one it's more like oh yeah we basically made like three or four variants of each of them that depend that changes which one the character uses depending on the time of day because they put like a day and night cycle in it so it's like you can buy the items from the person you can steal the items from the person you could fight them and just fucking rob them <laughs> instead <laughs> or the other one was if you're high enough level you can basically have another character be like i'm a sexy dancer girl do you want to give me free shit <laughs> kind of deal and it's like sometimes they're like oh, it has like a, ch- a failed chance <laughs> it's like other characters <laughs> being like you probably shouldn't do that <laughs> if you fail it and it's like it's kind of funny <laughs> so it's like it's a little goofy it's, it's still like it's still like a little bit of like a thin excuse for these eight characters to get together but it's at least better than the first yeah fair and enough the few stories i've seen so far also seem like they're like a little bit more well thought out like the the warrior guy in the first game was just like i'm sad warrior man i need to g- help avenge my king blah, kind of deal and like the thief was just like i'm thief man i got caught trying to do thiefery and now i need to do thing to get collar off blah, kind of deal get a little bit basic and like some of them are a little still basic because like i mean the, the dancer's motivation this one is just i want to be famous and make money yeah. fuck you <laughs> kind of deal but like 
One of the characters' whole motivation is that he wants to stop poverty. So good, good on you, oh. Partito. Yeah, Partito, okay. Partito. I don't know how to pass his name. He, he's like the 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 new merchant. This one, and he like talks like a, with a very heavy like southern drawl. Or not what southern, but like western drawl. So like he's doing like a bunch of like howdy partner stuff in combat. It's very funny <laughs> at times, especially for like this being like it's still a fancy role, but it's like more like it's like mid 1800s level fantasy world or so where it's like yeah okay. there's like steam engines and stuff so like there's trains and stuff so it's like it fits that there's a guy like this that's like from like the frontier kind of deal but it's also very silly <laughs> it's still a lot better than the one character in the first game who spoke with really shitty fake shakespearean talk all the time oh fun yeah and it sucks because also like in both the games people basically agree that like the hunter which is in that game and the hunter and two are like two of the best characters because their class their default class of hunter is really good and then like you know it's like it's like the older final fantasy's kind of deal but like you get like a secondary job they can give them any of the other eight plus four secret special classes kind of deal so like each of the characters can't mix and match the same way so it's like people are like oh hunter is really good because they can fuck with the turn order and stuff and also they can capture beasts to basically use as like more combat options to have like better weapon and elemental access to like be able to affect enemy weaknesses quicker to break them to deal a lot of damage to them <laughs> it's just that unfortunately in the first game the character the character talk of like this of all the fucking time or whatever the fuck that's <laughs> not like, how that works i know it's not but that, that that's also me making fun of it a little bit <laughs> just saying putting th at the end of everything but it's like uh, yeah, Hanet was so annoying in the first game. <laughs> but at least the hunter in this game doesn't do that, and also she's a cute little cat girl. <laughs> so it's very funny seeing a cat girl have to fucking axe. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Sounds like you're having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's still like... It's still a weird situation where it's like, you know, it's, it's still like a Square Enix JRPG, so like, you know, it's still like things in it that are just like uh i don't say the writing is bad necessarily but it's like yeah they it's definitely square enix just being square enix at times i mean just again like the fact that we as a society basically just accepted the the title octopath traveler <laughs> is just, it makes sense at least but it's like it's less of a stretch than like you know some of the kingdom hearts titles yeah. So like yeah i guess i guess three five eight days over two makes sense because it's the story of two characters over the course of 358 days, but it's like, it's fuck you. <laughs> you, you don't put a fucking, like, divided sign in a title of a, a subtitle of a video game, Square Enix. <laughs> uh, but they do. But it's like, well, it's like, there's eight characters and they all have different, like, paths in life, so Octopath makes sense. But yeah. It, I guess. It's it makes it makes goofy. it sounds better than that fucking uh, uh what was that like they what they had like they released like three farming games last year like Harvestella at least is like that's like that's a title whatever but like oh what was the other one it was like every day something or other <laughs> uh god I need to find what this one was uh no I don't mean to type square everyday game. <laughs> Or gamer. Uh, maybe I should type Enix in here to find. Various di day life. They called the game last year Various Day Life. Come the fuck <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, square. What the fuck? I did feel a little bit bad about actually buying it just in general because it's like I don't really particularly like giving Square Enix full sixty dollars because they you know are embracing crypto shit. Yeah. 
but it's like I, I I wasn't I wasn't seeing it on like uh like eBay or anything for like a used copy or anything like that just yet. And I was like, I don't want to like basically wait until it gets closer to like you know in like April or so because Breath of the Wild two releases so early in March in May anyway. So I was like, I'll I'll get it now. Yeah, also, that makes sense. Again, also, again, I had a really long week at work last week. Fortunately, not been that long this week because I mean it snowed a lot on Tuesday, at least at my job. Funnily enough, <laughs> not 15 minutes south towards Hartford where I live. Like there was just rain all day, so like there was no snow there. But it's like it snowed all day, and so like we didn't actually have any mail. And surprisingly, <laughs> we didn't get swamp of mail the pre- the following day, so there was really nothing going on then. So we didn't yeah. have to stay until eight o'clock two days in a row. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, that's that's basically been my week. Oh, uh, one other thing is that tomorrow before work is when I'm going to the probate court to do my (laughs) second legal name change. Hey! Yep. It's a little annoying that, you know, like, it was, like, back in, like, June of last year that I, you know, plunked down $250 the first time to change to Chloe, but it's like, well, still beats out then if I had, like, you know, stuck around with the dead name for that amount of time (laughs) up until now. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they don't give you like a discount towards your next one if you get multiples. <laughs> so yeah, still a little um, intimidating. You have to carry two hundred fifty dollars in your wallet. <laughs> oh, it's cash. Oh no. Uh, well, I, I, I want to say that I think they did require cash. At least they told me there was cash. But I think the when I went last year, it might have been also like money order was an option. But yeah, I know money orders. I think you have to like pay a certain amount to actually get the money order itself so it's like you have to pay some part extra oh yeah that's i don't even yeah. know how that works that's that's some old yeah, nonsense i had yeah surprising you say that and surprising i actually had to do that for my apartment for the deposit hmm. but not, not the deposit the uh the application right it was like a 70 dollar application fee but like funnily enough i actually did have one already because that was how the, the post office gave me a partial refund for the P.O. box I had to get because the old apartment was shit and didn't have a whole address, so I got a P.O. box in order to actually get mail. So even because I only had it for like a few weeks, they were like, yeah, we'll give you like most of it back. So fortunately they did. I only think I lost like 40 bucks on it total. So I had that, and I got, had that uh, done the day that I was going to the apartment, the, my current apartment to see it. And they told me I would need a money order. Oh, no, no, I, I, did, I did the post office the day before, because that, that would have been that Tuesday. I did the apartment checking out on Wednesday. So they told me I needed that, and I was like, well, I still have this one, because they told me it would take like a little bit for it to actually be valid for them to cash it in. So I just went back to the post office and was like, I need to just change this into a one that's not like 130 and change it to 70 and get the other money back. And they were like, okay, sure. <laughs> so... It was a weird situation that I already had one, and also that was the first time I ever did a money order, because I was like, where the fuck do you get a money order from? I guess the post office, because they gave me this one. I guess I can get another. Well, all yeah. right. It was weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this week has been a little weird for me in that... Uh, so, I haven't talked about it as much lately, but I have still been working at that community center library, and... They uh, they moved up. They got a new building. It's great. Uh, it's absolutely huge. But uh, there's nothing for me to do yet because um, they they haven't got the cleaners in yet, so they can't really start moving stuff around. So yeah, uh, yeah, they probably don't want to move in a bunch of books into a place that hasn't been cleaned beforehand. Yeah. So it's like it, it it's a beautiful building. I'm glad to be able to 
they've got the rooms picked out, so I'll be able to set up the library how I need to. It's going to be great, but uh, I have no idea when that'll start. And then I've got a deadline because, you know. Yeah, that whole deal. Yep. Is the new library location at least closer to where you live? Yeah, it's about 20 minutes closer, so that's nice. Well, yeah, at least there's that too. But yeah, it's uh no they're they're really looking to do a lot. They um they're I don't know exactly how it works, but apparently they're being brought on with the Historical Society of Ontario as like a historic organization or something, so that's rad. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So yeah, I, I did not have my normal work to do this week, which meant I just spent more time playing Baldur's Gate. Um <laughs> As I messaged to you uh, off of the air, uh, it took me eight hours of gameplay to reach level two in that game. Yeah, which the, the fact that you described it as that's just how wizards work in that game, that they just need way more XP to reach a higher level, that sounds insane. <laughs> well, at least that is true, yes. They do need more XP, but it's at least partly because... Like, once I hit level 2 and onward, it's been going much faster. I'm at, like, 6 now. But that's oh, okay. because I'm not having to reload every 12 seconds because characters in my party keep dying immediately. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, yeah, where it's, like, that first hurdle is just a lot harder. But Yeah, exactly. That, it gets a little easier, yeah. With that said, though, I think I have discovered that I am playing it wrong in that it's, like... So I don't know if you're familiar with Neverwinter Nights, but it's sort of an overworld map with a bunch of different locations on the map, right? Mm-hmm. And then from by leaving those locations, you can discover other ones just based on the angle you leave at. The different exits lead to different places. And I've been just kind of doing that a lot to see where everything is. But, uh, you know, I, I think maybe... I shouldn't be doing that because I'm like 30 hours in and I have not gotten to the city of Baldur's Gate yet and I have explored almost literally the entire map. Well, isn't that also how you play video games? Like when they tell you go here, you're like, fuck that, I'm going to go everywhere but here that I can without dying. (laughs) Well, to some degree, sure, but like the quest that they give you at the beginning of the game is go to this place. I, I know some people there, they can help you out. And those people will say, okay, go to this next place. But this next place is just, like, there's no real driving plot or motivation to go there. You're only going there because these people said to. And so it's like... In theory, I think there's probably a plot, but I just really haven't (laughs) seen it because it's so much not that. (laughs) Yeah, I would certainly hope that an RPG has plot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess I understand now why people think it's the best Dungeons & Dragons game. I still strongly disagree with them, but in 1990-whatever when this came out, this would have been pretty revolutionary, so I get it from that perspective. But it's just so much work for nothing. I had to develop this because... I mentioned last week how some party members just disappear forever. Yeah. So I found a safe party member who I know I can dismiss. And I put together, like, one of the locations I specifically chose as a hub. So every time I get a new party member, I have to go to the hub, drop the safe person off, <laughs> go back, get the next person. And... Uh, 
Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm on like day 45 in the game time just because I've spent dozens of days traveling back and forth to my home. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you think back to, like, the original Mass Effect, where it's like, oh, you have to walk back to the Normandy to switch out party members if you wanted to in the middle of missions in the first game, and it's like, that sounds way better than this, at least. <laughs> <laughs> like, those environments are, you know, they can be a little obtuse, just because that first Mass Effect was kind of obtuse in some ways, too, but, like, I mean, that's just because, like, they were still, like, making it, like, mm -hmm. you know, like an RPG RPG. And also, it was, like, their first time really doing, like, a space shooter game compared to, like, uh, the other guys they were making. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, it's, like, I don't, you don't even think you could. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you couldn't switch out party members after you started a mission in 2 and 3, right? Uh, no, I mean, you choose them on a mission-by-mission -mission basis, but that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And compared to, like, I mean, whenever you landed in a zone and... The original game like you picked one of the uh, two of the six and it's like you want to switch them out walk back to the normandy <laughs> but it's like yeah but also it's like are you really ever taking kaden or ashley anyway because ashley just has all the boring soldier stuff and kaden uh you know sentinel sucks in mass effect one <laughs> so it's like yeah you really only have a choice of four <laughs> but ashley could wear the pink armor <laughs> Yeah, but you could also take like, armor and give it to Shepard instead. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if you're, like, uh, one of the class... Well, yeah, I guess you could give it to Rex, actually, as well, because Rex could wear the heavy armor. Like, it's like... Yeah, because, like, you're right, they had different uh, weight classes of armor in that game. I'm not remembering. Yeah, but they like... were also separated by species, so Rex couldn't wear the human armor. Oh, man. right. Right, <laughs> yeah. It was, like, human armor. It, it's very weird that they had that, considering that it's like, well, it's like, you have three human party members, if you include Shepard, but it's like... Well, this can only be worn by Turians, and it's like, well, I, I got one Turian. <laughs> yeah, but Liara could wear the human armor, so... <laughs> well, that's because the Asari in that game were really just, like, women but blue. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, I mean, it makes sense that Quarians can't wear whatever, because, like, they have their specific, like, environmental survival suits, mm -hmm. and it's just like, Turians just have their, like, kind of, like, jacked-up bird cat bodies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their knees do be backwards. Yeah. Plus, I always felt like they had, like, a little bit of a cat face going on. I think it's, like, the, the weird, like, uh, like, chitinous, like, plates or whatever that they have in their, on the side of their mouth or whatever. <laughs> but, like, they always get, like, especially at some angles, it really just looks like Garrus's cat face going on. <laughs> but, I mean, it, yeah, it makes sense that Rex can't wear any of the stuff anybody else can because he's a big dinosaur man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I forgot about that. But then again, I played the original Mass Effect uh, all of twice. The last time that I would have done so would have been, like, a few weeks before Mass Effect 2 released, so, like, mm -hmm. 13 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long time. Oh, wait, wait, no, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, trying to be, like, no, I was playing Mass Effect 3 shortly before, uh, no, sh uh, a little bit after I go... Nope, I mean, I had my time wrong, uh, that was... That was back in 2012, yeah, that, yeah, like, I graduated college in 2010, right, so I did, I was playing Mass Effect 2... Right, like, in the lead-up to graduating college. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> Just in terms of being last semester. <laughs> yeah, um, so, ultimately, I think I am probably going to finish Baldur's Gate, and I'll probably even try the DLC for it, but I just don't like it as much as people seem to, and I'm not sure where the disconnect is. It's possible yeah. it's because I started with Neverwinter Nights, and that's just objectively better. 
Yeah, it's like one of those cases of like, oh, you play the original and then you want to go back, and it's like, oh, this one plays way worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is which is amusing because like the first Kingdom Hearts game I played was Chain of Memories because like I didn't have a PS2 at the time, so I was like, oh, I'll play the Game Boy one. That should tide me over, right? And then I was like, fuck, now I need to play the original. <laughs> so that's why that's why I got a PS2 to play original Kingdom Hearts, and then it's like, oh right, original Kingdom Hearts plays like ass. <laughs> <laughs> like how do i prefer playing this weird card game version of kingdom hearts you know it's like you're still running around the battlefield and everything but you're using attacks via cards and it's like how do i prefer this running on the fucking game boy advance compared to an action rpg on the ps2 <laughs> turns out kingdom hearts 2 uh, one and also like really kingdom hearts of the whole just has bad platforming and also not good combat <laughs> uh, again i i you will not get me to play another Kingdom Hearts Square Enix unless you put in a Boiling Isles level. <laughs> that is the one and only way you will get me to continue playing this bullshit, is if I can have Lucinavity in my party. <laughs> and I know it's not going to happen, because Disney sure doesn't give a fuck about, about uh, Owl House. <laughs> no matter how much they were like, yeah, maybe we fucked up by canceling it, it's like, they're not going to put that in there. <laughs> they definitely will not. Uh... Yeah, um, so I guess that's just kind of where I'm at lately, is, uh, playing this game with characters who don't have personality but might leave forever anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that doesn't sound great. Because it's like, do you know how many party members are in Baldur's Gate 1? I do not. Uh, I know that I've found at least 12 so far. <laughs> And you're only allowed to have five in your party at a time. <laughs> and some of them are paired up, so that, like, if you have this one guy in your party, you have to have this other person. Oh, is this, uh, are you saying five party members, not including the protagonist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, because the first thing I saw was that you can have up to six. Uh, how many companions are in Baldur's Gate? Uh, do do do. There are as many as 25 in Baldur's Gate, 17 in Throne of Baal, whatever that is, including the five <laughs> returning companions from Enhanced Editions, and for extra to each game. So there you go. Uh, you've, you found, like, about half, half of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess if you lose more permanently by just telling them, I don't want you in the party at the moment because I want to put this try this other person out, I guess it's not the worst case because <laughs> you have more. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's just so weird. So... It's, I don't know, I'll get through it, and Baldur's Gate 2 apparently runs on the same system, so I'll be going through it for a while, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, my follow-up question was, where you're going to play 2 after this? <laughs> I think I probably will. Um, my understanding is that it's very, like, it's a single story, kind of? It mm -hmm. You export the character, and they just continue the adventure. Oh, so... Okay. Yeah, I think I plan to because, to my understanding, you don't get the whole story unless you do both. But gotcha. like, I'm honestly hoping there are some serious improvements between them. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm just. Uh, I know this wouldn't be the case with this because it's a PC game, but I'm just imagining it having to be like fucking Golden Sun, where if you didn't have yeah. the Game Boy Advance Game Link cable, you had to like, or yeah, no, that was GBA, yeah. That you had to, like, jot down a fucking stupid-ass password. <laughs> I mean, well, it's like, well, this is, like, stuff that you'll transfer over. All this equipment's bullshit. Because, like, I remember in particular in that game, 
there was like a few pieces of equipment that were very rare drops from enemies, but people basically figured out how you could basically cheat the RNG to make it drop all the time if you did if you killed the enemies in like a certain way. Huh. Kind of deal. And it's like, oh, one of them was like, oh, this is a really good like lightning sword for like uh, the little like Meiji kind of guy, Ivan. Uh, by the time the party in from one actually joins the party in two, that sword's bullshit and sucks. <laughs> so it's like you spend all this time trying to like, you know, figure out how you could get the stuff to drop right, and even then it's like it wasn't fully. Yeah, I think it was actually not fully guaranteed, but there yeah. was like increased chances a lot more if you did it a certain <laughs> way. But it's like I did all that stuff to get this shit, and then can and then uh, I almost like ignore you. Golden Sun two release, and it's like all this stuff is bad now. I wasted all that time. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, I have, despite not progressing the plot at all, managed to get what I'm pretty sure is the best armor for wizards in the game already, so... <laughs> That's, uh... It's pretty easy, actually. This guy just sells it. It, it costs, <laughs> like, 20,000 gold, but that's not a huge deal if you're exploring the maps, so... Uh, it, it, that, rem that definitely reminds me a lot about the fucking uh, really powerful super axe that you could uh, definitely steal from a guy early, like as soon as you had the thief character in the original Octopath. Because <laughs> it's like, it was like, because like the statistics for like uh, stuff like that, of like succeeding, it's like on a probability. So it's like, oh, if you're only at like a low level, it's going to be a low percentage for like the yeah. harder stuff. And like in that game, it's also like in the original, it was like if you fail like those like more like, I think they referred to them more as like the like rebellious sort of like. Uh, things like that, like stealing or like trying to like get such out a person's life story by just like staring at them really hard. It's like if you fail it three times, you have to like pay the innkeeper to uh, reset your reputation. In the sequel, it's five, just because there's yeah. like, way more of the talents and stuff you can do. But like, uh, it was like a three percent chance to steal the axe. I think it was. So and it's like, well, there's a save point right next to this guy, so you could just save, go over there, <laughs> try it. If it's fucked up entirely, just resets, you know, they keep paying, like, incrementally more money the more your reputation tanks in town. Yeah. Until you get that axe, and it's like, well, this axe has, like, 300 base damage or whatever, you just give it to any of the guys that can use an axe, and it's like, well, yep, just one-shotting these guys in a really hard game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't found yeah. a weapon equivalent like that in Octopath 2 yet, so at least there's that, but at the same time, it's like kind of still easy like it, it's kind of like uh that whole thing of like it's satisfying when you can kind of break the game sort of stuff like in if I, you didn't play original final fantasy tactics right no i sure didn't yeah like there were like certain class combos in that with like uh because like each of the characters besides having like uh action skills that they could do to like as part of the class they had like passive buffs and stuff that they could have on them as like skills and stuff yeah and like uh the, like one of the most popular ones was uh there was one that whenever your character moved they'd gain mp but there was also another passive that if you ever you took damage your mp would get hit first before your hp so you basically would just do that and it's like as long as you move the character over one square each turn in combat it's like <laughs> they're basically assured not to die because <laughs> it's just the enemies can't outpace that and also the ai isn't smart enough to be like we need to single out this person and just take him the fuck down yeah. before they keep doing this kind of deal but yeah it's like that's all but also it's like you know you can also make the main character have like the two swords ability from the ninja class and just like have him be in his base class which is actually his strongest class because he gets a special version of the squire class compared to everybody else and just have him fucking dual wield like great swords <laughs> <laughs> and it's like well i gave him excalibur and this other great sword so he also has permanent haste on him from the excalibur so <laughs> you're not gonna kill ronza anytime soon <laughs> 
unless you have to do one of those multiple times where you only have Ronza, you're doing like a one-on-one duel in a different part of the map that you can't get other characters to for a while because <laughs> there's some bullshit fights in that then it's like well you basically need to have other potion and sell all the potions and high potions in your inventory so this way you always use automatic x potion where you take damage <laughs> in order to get 150 health back yeah, this yeah. time I play, played enough of that to figure out how to deal with some of those bullshit, but I remember it's the explosion back then, and it is 150 hit points, and it's not the same <laughs> tactics, because it was garbage. <laughs> not the game. Those stupid, like, one-on-one fights between him and, like, a fucking monster, that, like, is a guy that turns into a monster with the yeah. stupid Magic MacGuffins kind of deal. Yeah. Great game otherwise, though, but it's it kind of sucks at times like that. <laughs> I haven't found any weapons like that. I'm just, like... Uh... A wizard shouldn't have an armor class of minus one. That's no. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Yeah. Cause like it. Cause like in uh. And even in five e, if like you have no armor on and you have a negative dex stat, don't you still have an AC of ten? Uh. In second edition, you want your AC to be as low as possible. Oh right, right. Yeah, because uh, Thacko and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Because Thacko works differently. Yeah. Uh. Essentially, you subtract your armor class from their Thaco, and that gives you the number that they have to roll to hit you. So the lower your number is, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Wizards shouldn't be that good at tanking, is my <laughs> point here. Um, yeah, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> do you have anything else, or shall we get into it? We're, <laughs> we're kind of uh, we're kind of half an hour deep in this wizard talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've both been having our weird times with some RPGs. I guess we should probably get into Infinity Train. Maybe just talk, a touch. <laughs> talk about the weird train instead of weird JRPGs. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, um... In that case, my episode this week is Book 1, Episode 5, The Cat's Car. So, we open with Tulip and the gang leaving the dinosaur baseball car when they are stopped, because the bridge between the cars just sort of retracts, and a new car rolls down the top of the train and slots in place ahead of them. I'm just gonna say, how come we got the Crystal Car episode and not the T-Rex baseball car episode? (laughs) This would've been so much better. Give us that. (laughs) With a fucking rule just hanging out and having to play baseball with a bunch of T-Rexes. <laughs> I mean, I sense the impulse there, but I feel like it could have gotten old real fast, because it doesn't seem like the T-Rexes could talk. Um, yep, uh, I guess, but it's like, I mean, at the same time, they also did a full-on, like, baseball episode of the Steaming Universe, but also, I mean, Steaming Universe episodes are also, like, ten minutes long each, so... Yeah. <laughs> but th- th- wait, these are also ten minutes, right, so they could have done that. <laughs> Missed <laughs> uh, opportunity is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, um, I personally find this train movement kind of terrifying because they have essentially they're using their train wheels to latch onto tracks on top of the train and just roll down and then hop in between the other cars, which should not happen for cars that are that big. And also, the cars that get unlatched don't get left behind, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, well, I mean, no matter how much... Like, at a certain point, you have to be, like, no matter how much progress I'm making along the train, the train can just decide to fuck me over and just relocate, like, reallocate stuff, so it's, like, you could be, like, one train car away from the front of the train and still have it just be, like, yeah, we're just gonna put you back in the back now. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, but... I was mostly concerned more about, like, 
the way it moves that feels wrong and bad to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, the train doesn't make any sense because it's a fucking weird and extra dimensional, maybe not actually a real train anyway. But still. <laughs> I mean, fair. But yeah. Um, so they, uh, Glad One says that he likes this because it makes the train feel unpredictable like it wasn't already. But they head into the new car where they discover what kind of looks like a vertical museum. It's, I want to say it's like 20 feet by 20 feet, and then it just stretches up. Uh, Atticus says that this looks like it's a study, but I really don't agree with him there, because it's just way too disorganized. It's not a study, it's a collection. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like a, like a mom-and-pop kind of store that they don't really like try to like organize yeah. things in terms of like selection kind of deal. <laughs> It's very much the uh, the old antique store in your town that you go into, and then there's just constantly doors leading you deeper and deeper, even though you don't think it's that big. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, he has to be stopped from eating out of the trash, so he might be an unreliable witness. Um, one one asks... Uh, he, he, definitely was, he definitely wasn't doing that. Uh, you know, you heard him. He said no. It's like, he would never. <laughs> you can uh, trust him. He's a king. Don't trust kings, actually. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, one one asks a nearby globe if it is his mother. Uh, of course, it doesn't answer. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a globe. At this point, uh, they're sort of uh, interrupted by a voice from above, and hopping down between the various shelves and platforms is the cat. And as she descends, she just cannot help getting another dig in at Tulip's name, talking about how she was named after a flower for no reason whatsoever. Um, there was a reason. She told us the reason. There was, but it's unimportant. Yeah. As far as the cat is concerned, anyway. So Tulip has apparently told Atticus about the cat, so good on her, because I would have expected that she'd want to keep a story about selling her friends on the down low when a new friend joined, but I guess <laughs> she did not. <laughs> she probably uh, I mean, she probably either skipped that part over or sugarcoated it a little bit to be like, yeah, but I learned my lesson immediately. It's all good. He forgave me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one one is actually pretty happy to see her because uh, one one likes the cat. But when Tulip expresses dismay about this on account of you know the kidnapping, the cat gets very angry on account of they had a deal and all, and Tulip kind of cheated her out of this and also destroyed her shuttlecraft. All, all, all exactly accurate. The cat is actually not wrong here, at least in these in this regard. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know she's okay. Don't worry about it. No, she's not hostile. Uh, that just. Everything is cool. It's all yeah, she, in the past. She, I am definitely she, not someone you need to worry about. Yeah, she's definitely not bad, bro. <laughs> yeah. They've just kind of stumbled into her house, because this is the car she lives in. It's the cat's car, so, you know, they're they're here now. They're her guests. Everything is cool. Don't worry about it. And the cat immediately goes to Reddit after they leave to just be like, God fucking damn it, these fucking people. Fuck. <laughs> uh, fucking dig them. Uh, there's the episode title, I think. Just uh, simply one word. Just shred it. <laughs> uh, um, um, yeah, so... One one starts to spin the globe a little bit, and this freaks the cat out. Uh, she says everything in here is just really important to her, so please don't mess with it. Uh, Tulip super does not care about this and tries to just leave, but the cat kind of tries to talk her into staying for reasons that are almost certainly not revenge. Why would it be that? But uh, Tulip won't agree to on just talking terms, so the cat starts knocking stuff over and then asks for help on account of not having thumbs. 
just never mind the fact that she curated the rest of this room. Yeah, I was like, I was like thinking, should I go back and actually find all the no the no thumbs references so far yet? But I actually didn't do that. But we're on like four or five in terms of no thumbs being a joke, right? I believe this is the third one because we'd have the beach car and then the corgi car and now this. Uh, but didn't we? We oh wait, we have one in the crystal car because two of us trying to make the the ladder, and like everybody else just kind of raised up their hands because uh, yes, like, all right, course. robot, dog, and crystal guy. So this is four. <laughs> so uh, yeah, okay. Still, it's like okay. So we're gonna officially at the moment say the thumb count is at four. I'll try to remember to actually uh, make a note of it for more episodes. Yeah, fair enough. Um. So Tulip is kind of reluctant to help on account of she hates this cat. But when she picks up Fair. the discarded tapes, she finds that it has her name on it. I want to say that these kind of look like 8-tracks, but they mostly work like VHS. They are videotapes. Uh, you stick them in a player and it'll just play on the TV. Uh, the cat informs them that every single passenger has a tape, and it contains the entirety of who they are and what makes them who they are, and also it's somehow connected to their numbers, so they should probably watch it. Uh, I think... Thing is, though, as soon as the tape starts, Tulip finds herself trapped in a white void with nothing but a screen displaying an old memory of her knocking over a Christmas tree. So, you know, it's probably fine. It's not suspicious or anything. Oh, um, yeah, no, this is definitely normal. Yeah. When she touches the screen, though, she's just sort of drawn into it, and so she's actually in the memories now and not watching them. And then we get a sort of a barrage of scenes from her life, just, you know goofing off with Michaela and driving with her parents singing Word Up and going to a place called Dolph World while they applaud for dolphins stacking themselves in a pyramid, all sorts of stuff. And I just lost my place in my notes because Ziggy sat on my keyboard and added like 50 <laughs> enters, so now I have to uh, play so, Well, Ziggy heard that we were talking about a cat being an asshole with uh, interrupting a mission, so Ziggy had to come by and also interrupt the mission. I guess. <laughs> Yes, she sat very precisely on the enter key, so now I have to scroll until I can find <laughs> notes. Um, uh, I don't know. There's no uh, video components to this, so I can't say one way or another if Ziggy actually did this thing, so I have to assume that Ziggy is innocent in this. <laughs> Along with all the listeners, we all have to assume this cat did nothing wrong, right? I suppose. Um, let's see. Uh, Dolph World, yes. Um... So then we uh, then we start getting some weird scenes as Tulip watches her past self watch a TV commercial in which an anthroaticus tries to sell a donut holder to a busty one one which I am uncomfortable with. And... <laughs> what? Who's saying a robot can't transfer gender? <laughs> it's not that one one is uh, a femme person in this commercial that bothers me. It's the fact that it's just one one's body on a human or. On a human body as the head. That's fair. It is really just. It is just straight up one one's like spherical like entirety of their being on top of a lady body, basically. Yes, and then with a wig on top. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course Atticus is also pretty freaky. Uh, he's more of just like a dog man, though. He's not like as weird. Well, I don't know, cause it's like he's. Atticus's head on a human body that just happens to have fur. It's I wouldn't he doesn't even really conform to furry standards. He's just a human with a dog head. But yeah. Um, past Tulip starts glitching out a little, but uh, then we move to a new scene, which is Tulip's parents telling her that she got a full ride to Vassar College, which 
Uh, she is 13. Um, for some reason, this does not immediately convey suspicion to her. Like, she's relieved when she sees this scene. She says, and I quote, Ah, that's better. <laughs> How can you... Yeah. Definitely not at all not at all suppressing anything, no. <laughs> yeah, like... I'm sorry, but you can't even pretend that that's a memory. <laughs> Maybe it's a memory of a daydream you had once. She's just the smartest 13-year-old. She gets to go to the college if she wants to. I guess. But uh, also, she's been appointed world president of game design, so she doesn't even really need to go to college. But anyway. Um... I, I also just have to point out here, is it... It's... Did they have something that they couldn't actually say Miyamoto's last name here? Because, like, you know, her dad called, like, says, like, move over, Shigeru, which is, you know, Miyamoto's first name. So it's like, there's there's a bit where, like, there's an NES in the cat's car, and it's like, that's just an NES. It's not like they tweaked it or anything, like, mm-hmm. you know, like how Owl House had, like, the, the swap or whatever, which is, like, it's clearly just a switch, but they can't call it that, but it's like... Did, did they have some cause that they couldn't name Jock Miyamoto by his last name that they had to say Shigeru instead? I don't think so, no. I think it's just incredibly awkward conversationally speaking to refer to a person by first and last name. Yeah, true. But it's like, I mean, everybody just calls him Miyamoto, really. They don't call him Shigeru. <laughs> yeah, but Andy wouldn't know that. I guess. <laughs> um, Yeah. Anyway, after watching this scene, she finally, finally realizes when her mom brings out an ice cream cake with two whole onions on top <laughs> that something is wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's also just, it's amusing because, like, we haven't seen Tulip snacking on onions at all throughout the show besides in the very first episode. So it's like... It's not like she constantly has onions with her that she's just constantly snacking on or anything. It's just, it's a callback to the very first episode. Well, I have to assume they're pretty hard to come by on the train. Well, that that brings up the bigger question of, is there food on the train? Because Tulip knows she's been here for at least a week at this point, if not way more. Yeah. So it's like, she has to be eating something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to say, because, like... The way the cars work, the night and day cycle is just so... She says it's been a week, and I believe we had some external confirmation of that, but it's hard to, like... I don't know if that's true. It could have only been a few hours, because every car is a different day, you know? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, maybe she thinks it's been that long, but based on, like, the train cars all having, like, weird wonky bullshit going on, it could just be that the trains are all at different points in the day. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Well, they definitely are. Like, we've seen this guy in multiple cars, and it doesn't usually match up, but... um. Yeah, I guess, yeah. But also, I mean, some of them are, like, it's, like, weird uh, music dimension in the car train, so it's, like, that's really not even a sky, necessarily. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tulip realizes at this point that something or someone is changing her memories, because none of this is right. And when she says this out loud, uh, her mom explodes as the tentacle robot from the corgi car just sort of rips its way out of her flesh. It's it's kind of like a xenomorph, but way bigger and grosser. Um, and also her dad's neck just sort of stretches out to like 20 feet long for some reason. <laughs> He's not a robot. He's just doing a Mr. Fantastic thing. Uh, yeah, so she runs and manages to escape the scene to get back in the void, but 
when this happens, her body's starting to, like, turn into static and lose its color, and then she gets sucked back into the memories basically immediately. Uh, we're back in the Dolph World scene, and what we did see as a fun day to the theme park before is revealed as, like, a disappointing and uninteresting trip where even the dolphin trainer is actively on her cell phone while running the show. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, pretty much from what she's talking to uh, at the person on the other end, it sounds like one of the dolphins has passed away, so, like, this is, like, this is really just the uh, the crew of this show just being like, yeah, this is just straight up a SeaWorld reference, because SeaWorld's fucked. <laughs> According to the Wikipedia, this is based on a specific zoo, not SeaWorld. <laughs> is it? Oh, I thought I saw yeah. in the trivia for the episode that it was a reference to the, uh... Oh, what was the SeaWorld documentary? Blackfish or something Blackfish, like that? Yeah. Yeah, like I thought they said it was like a reference to that because it's like it's clearly like, you know, it's just using dolphins instead of orcas, obviously, but it's like it's pretty much supposed to be that from what I read. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, yeah it's like it's. I don't it's remember what it was. <laughs> I was only reading through it very quickly, but yeah, the yeah. Uh, the page for I think it was for this episode. Maybe it was for the car itself. Said that it was based on a zoo, and I think it was Ohio. Hmm. So, who knows? Okay. I hope it's not based on a zoo, because they need to treat dolphins better than that. Oh, um, yeah. Either way, uh, th this whole thing is kind of hard to remember anyway, because young Tulip can't really see it because she needs glasses. And this turns into a fight between Megan and Andy as they argue over who should have taken her to the optometrist. And it's obviously Andy. Megan is a doctor. Andy is yeah, just a guy yeah. who goes to garage sales. Come on. Yeah, we right. We established that that is his air codes job, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, yes, you should be taking your daughter here, my guy, because like, presumably Andy doesn't really do a whole lot throughout the day, usually, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would assume that he probably would be like checking listings for garage sales and in texas at least there are a lot of places that do uh neighborhood sales where every house in the neighborhood will have sales at the same time uh yeah. setting up appointments to go to places stuff like that but yeah you would like if anybody in this house has free time it's you my dude um yeah yeah uh i don't know it's like <laughs> It's one of those cases where it's like, yeah, you see this and it's like, you don't even need the first episode context of like, yes, these people are going to definitely be the most divorced couple ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they surely are. Um, yeah, and then we're back in the scene with the TV. And when Tulip says out loud that uh, Anthro Atticus and Busty 1-1 aren't supposed to be here, their infomercial is replaced by one from Harry the Bike Guy, who is selling bikes for $100. Which is more or less entirely unimportant, but I guess we needed something to be on the TV so we could have that commercial. Uh, the scene is actually about the revelation that uh, Andy is sleeping here on the couch and Tulip is bringing him a blanket. Uh, he talks about her taking care of him a little bit and then they hug and cry and then we move on again. Uh, this whole time, every time she sees one of the revealed memories, the static is going down a little bit. She's becoming less and less of a static person and regaining her color. But then we move to the scene in the kitchen, and instead of giving her a scholarship, Megan and Andy ominously tell her that they're getting divorced as everything in the world bursts into flames. And it's it's it's, it's pretty it's yeah it's supposed to be obviously pretty harrowing for a kid to go through, but it's like it's just a little bit amusing that they're just like divorce, 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 and like at one point one of them is like kind of turning into like that fucking flaming dog fight in uh, the 
Academy of Rhea Lucaria from Elden Ring, <laughs> the one oh. that's like fl flying around. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not that's that's a specific dog, you know. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, that's Ugly Irwin from the Corgi Car. Oh, I didn't realize it was like. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I mean, my mind is just like, yeah, I fought that fucking thing in Elden Ring. It sucked. <laughs> then shows up as a regular enemy later on. It's the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he wasn't on fire when he was in the Corgi car, but. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, like, let's be real here. Ugly Irwin is not actually ugly. <laughs> yeah, he's just not a Corgi, that's all. Yeah. What kind of dog is. <laughs> actually, I need to find out. <laughs> what kind of dog is Ugly Irwin? Uh, um... da -da -da. Mm. Looks to be a golden oh, oh, retriever. A golden... Right, yeah, he's a golden retriever. Duh, yeah. <laughs> so is he like uh, just some? Is he like just a foreigner who's moved here? Because it's like, I mean, they they established only that like uh, Atticus united the Pembrokes and the Cardin Carginians. So it's like, or Corginians. So it's like, is he just like from out of town or something, or a different country, and he's just visiting? Uh, delicate. No idea, but. Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh wait, but Atticus also includes him in like the four hundred number. Yeah. That, yeah. So, I mean, he's not a corgi, obviously. No, for sure. <laughs> he's not a very corgi, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess I don't know, but. I'm. I'm just gonna have to assume we probably never see Ugly Irwin again, right? <laughs> That's probably a safe bet. I don't remember him coming back, but who knows? I mean, uh, considering he doesn't even have a voice actor because he doesn't have any lines, he's just there. He has a line. A he joke. has a line right here, and his line is divorce. I guess. <laughs> I did not write down terrifying nightmare version of Ugly like, Irwin's voice actor for what it's worth. Uh, did you do uh, Michaela's voice actor last week? Because it's the same person. <laughs> Oh no, I didn't. Because Michaela, like, well, because Michaela hasn't been in an episode since episode one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry, two weeks ago, my mistake. Yeah, yeah no, I, I didn't jot her down because I didn't think she was necessarily important. Because like, I, I forgot that she showed up in this episode, but like, she was only in like for like a minute. In, I mean, similar reason why we didn't cover her in the first episode. Yeah. Because it's like, but at the same time, I knew her two of those parents were more important in this one. Yeah. As Michaela's only in for like, what, 10 seconds in this one as well? So I like, think it's less than that, honestly. I don't know, I'm going to lick her yeah. right now, I guess. <laughs> she just, she doesn't have screen time. And in this episode specifically, she's just chanting random nonsense because they're being teenagers. Um, either way, uh, Andy and Megan are just leaning over Tulip and getting bigger and bigger and chanting divorce divorce like there's some kind of demented cheerleading squad and they're just getting more demonic the whole time and past tulip cries so much that they're literally up to their ankles in water and uh this this really freaks out uh, our tulip because you know everything is bad it like takes her all the way to just her face everything is staticed out but then she reinserts reasserts herself and insists that this isn't what happens and the scene changes so I'm I'm gonna use the parlance past tulip and our tulip because there's two of them in this scene. Yeah, like I can't. I guess you you really couldn't call her kid tulip because this is like maybe like a year ago or so at most. Yeah, I'm not even sure it's that long. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it's like been very long since her parents got divorced from what we saw in the first episode, where she's like, a lot of people's parents are divorced. Burn, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's definitely not processed her feelings about it. That's why oh. he's on the train. Um. 
Okay, I guess I'm gonna actually cover her because she actually has been in some uh, TV shows I covered. We'll, we'll cover Michaela's voice actress later, I guess. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So past Tulip comes into that same dining room asking about dinner, but uh, both her parents are there and they're sitting at the table and they need to talk about something serious. They tell her that she's probably noticed, but things are pretty rough between them and they need to spend some time apart and... Ask if she's okay, but Past Tulip just kind of brushes it off while our Tulip stands over her telling her that no, actually, she's not okay, stop acting tough about it. But it's a memory, so you can't undo that. Um, they don't really know at this point if they're getting divorced or not, they're just taking a trial separation. But Past Tulip insists that there is no other option, they are either married or not, the end. Uh, she's not being super uh, open about this, and... I don't know. It, it's. Let me read the next line and then we'll talk about her emotional state. <laughs> yeah. So they try to reassure her that they love her and that this whole thing isn't her fault, but she just explodes because she's yelling about how, like, things were fine until they decided to change everything. And I don't understand this, really. Because this is her learning that her parents are going to separate, right? There's no meaningful change at this point. She's. There's nothing for her to be mad about in terms of them changing everything. Like, yes, things will be different, but as of now, things have not changed, and she's really, really mad as if it has personally affected her already. I, I don't know. Yeah, meanwhile, it's like, Tulip, things have not actually been fine at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, for a long time, since you were a kid. Exactly, yeah. I don't know, it just... <laughs> This feels a little like cramming time in to me, just because this is very much how Tulip was in episode one. This is how she felt eventually. But for her to have that reaction immediately, I think they just needed to like compress time a little bit for the sake of, you know, space in the episode. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um, either way, uh, our Tulip watches her past self storm off and reflects on the anger and how angry and scared she was and. As she does, she asserts that this is definitely what happens, but knowing it doesn't make her feel any better, and in this moment, she realizes that the one changing her memories around was her. She was making her parents look worse so she could feel better about herself. That's probably healthy. Um, mm, yep. The static just sort of drains out of her completely as she is sucked back into the void, and scenes from her life just sort of fly past on a hundred floating screens, and then she wakes up in the chair in the cat's car. Atticus is literally between words. Like, he was warning her not to do this thing, and she is back, and it all happens before he got his next word out. So, as much as we saw it happen over the course of the episode, it was less than half a second for them. Um, the cat basically figures this out immediately, so... I guess she's seen this happen before, because... Like I say, it was ridiculously fast, and the moment she looks up, she realizes that Tulip is back, so... Yeah, it's like, yeah, Cat, you really fucked this one up. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, she does try to talk her way out of it a little bit, because Tulip is yelling about her trying to trap Tulip, and the cat just sort of brushes off, like, are you really trapped if you're in your happy memories? I mean, surely that's not... <laughs> but... <laughs> You are, yes. <laughs> Actually, yes, cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Tulip's number is just going wild. It's spinning all over the place, and each digit is rotating like a slot machine dial, but Tulip just grabs her backpack and heads for the door. She's not really saying much right now. 
until the cat tries to talk her into watching the tape again. <laughs> <laughs> now look, I know you didn't have a good experience with the first time, but what about the second time? Maybe it'll be better. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so again, I I know that my roommate was trying her best, but it's like it very much reads like how that first place I had was like through a fucking Facebook Marketplace ad, and her being like, "Well, I know you aren't that thrilled about Facebook Marketplace at the moment, but I did find this other one." I'm like, "Yeah, no thanks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, so the cat's talking, trying to keep her here, very obviously, and talking about how, like, you know, her number's going down, so the train must think she's doing a good job, but Tulip says she doesn't care about her number, and she just puts on a glove. Just one glove. She's got, like, the Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker thing going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, she, she just yells that it doesn't matter if the train's like her, or thinks she's growing as a person. And this is the first in-show confirmation we have that the number going down is related to growing as a person. Uh, she does not care, and she is just leaving. Uh, the crew take off, just pausing long enough for one one to tell the cat they don't like her anymore, and they all get out. Um, so they leave... And the cat panics. She she grabs another one of those tapes and stuffs it into her vest. I'm not super sure why, because it absolutely does not come up in the rest of this scene. But the car starts shaking around, and uh, we get an outside shot revealing the car lifting up and zooming all the way to the front of the train, just ridiculously fast. Wait, I just realized, the cat can pick up these tapes, so the cat is full of bullshit, because even though the cat doesn't have thumbs, it can still pick up a tape. Oh yeah, no, she she absolutely <laughs> has the ability to pick stuff up and manipulate it. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it was obviously, again, she knocked that stuff over intentionally being like, oh, would you mind picking that up? Oh, look at that, this one happens to have your name on it, weird, well. But it's like, it's still just like a case of like, she can pick stuff up, actually. She's yeah, she's got like, My Little Pony rules going on, where when she hits stuff with her foot, it just kind of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> um, cat yeah. with, uh, the cat with fucking blocky Minecraft hands, <laughs> just always holding it one item in one hand and just like having do like a little like stiff arm motion while trying to actually interact with stuff with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So the car stops and all the lights go out and the cat is as she's panicking she's grabbed by the robot tentacles of that monster which demands to know where the passenger is, and she kind of panickedly admits that uh, Tulip isn't here, and a red light, which kind of looks like a heart monitor, just sort of flashes on a black screen. It's not super clear what's going on here. I think the implication is that whatever this red line is is in the shadows behind the big robot, but it's hard to tell. The composition is a little off. Um, but yeah, that, that flash cues the robot to start crushing her, so cool. Graphic cat death on screen. Um, but, uh, yeah, she begs for mercy and insists that she is the only one who can possibly help them find Tulip and the ball, is what she calls it. And, uh, this red light flashes again. Um, the wiki calls this the sine wave, that's S-I-N-E-W-A-V-E. I don't think they ever say that in the show, but I guess that is the appropriate name for it. So there you go. Oh, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be like, uh, like that math term, yeah. Like yeah. Like sine, cosine, tangent, yeah. Yeah, so the sine wave flashes again, and the robot lets the cat go, so no gruesome cat death, thank goodness. Uh, it does warn her not to fail again, before, like, turning itself into a helicopter with its tentacles, and spinning around and smashing up all of her stuff. And this... this is very upsetting to her. It, like, she's clearly having a panic attack. We don't 
I think, ever know why stuff matters so much to her specifically, but this is quite probably the worst thing you could do to her as far as she's concerned. Well, if she doesn't have stuff, she can't possibly, uh, air quotes, sell it to the Randalls. Yeah, but why does she need that? Eh, you know. <laughs> she has a rich what internal what life. She doesn't else? need stuff. If you're, if you're one of the uh, people that live on this train and not one of the people who are going on the train to help process like traumatic stuff in your life, you gotta have hobbies and you gotta have stuff to do. <laughs> collect shit to go ahead and try to pull air quote scams on water people who don't have money and therefore can't actually pay you for the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so the sine wave just fades back into the darkness, and that's the end of the episode. We don't actually see the extent of the damage the robot helicopter does, but it, like, maybe it broke everything, maybe it just broke some stuff, we have no idea. <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the cat's car. Also, you gotta uh, admit here, uh, when even one one says that you suck, uh, that's how you know you're really fucked up. <laughs> Because it's like one 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 thinks that everybody is his friend, especially even including the you know the monster with the like mechanical squid arms and stuff. And it's like even one one's like we don't like you anymore. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but from the way this interaction goes, it seems pretty clear that the monster has already tasked her with capturing Tulip and the ball. So I, I understand yeah. why they are angry in the moment, but this feels very reasonable to me, like. She's a I mean, cat. She can't fight that thing. Yeah, from from the context, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, we as the viewers know, yeah, obviously, this is the second time the cat has tried to screw over Tulip to try to get one one, but, like, mm -hmm. they don't know that. The cat has not told them anything of, like, I was told I had to do this or else I'm gonna yeah, just be sure. fucking squished. <laughs> yeah, like, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see later on. I know the cat does come back. Like, I don't know if the cat comes back in episode, in other seasons. I assume so, though, because the cat seems like a pretty important character overall. <laughs> um, hey. Yes. Okay. I guess it would be fair to say, yes, the cat does come back. It, it's not just a movie. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is the cat comes back a movie? Yeah, it sure is. You don't know the cat comes back? No, because it's because this is a learning station thing. It's a camp song for kids. Uh, At least what I'm seeing on YouTube. The cat came back? I think you are probably seeing a new version. The original is from 1893, so... Okay, because I'm, I'm seeing... Okay, because I see the cat came back, which is a comic song. Yeah, that's the one. There was also The Cat Came Back, which is a 1936 film, and The Cat Came Back, the 1988 film. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, yeah, no, I haven't heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, jeez, here I thought I was being timely with my 1893 pop culture references. <laughs> Look, maybe I did see this at some point as a kid, and then I've just forgotten because that's been, like, 30 years ago. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I, I mean, it's again, like, in 20 years from now, if my mom asked my niece, like, hey, remember when you used to, re like, read Pete the Cat and liked Pete the Cat a lot? I'm sure, like, at that point, her being at 27 will probably say, no, who's, who the fuck is Pete the Cat? <laughs> she um, loves Pete the Cat, at least I know, uh, in the last couple of years, I don't know if she still does now, because, you know, stuff. But, yeah. In any case, uh, we should probably get on to the next one, huh? I suppose so, yeah. All right.
then episode 6 of season 1 is the unfinished car, which kind of tells you already everything about this car, basically, even before you, we get into it. <laughs> uh, they, they it opens up the party. Yeah, I, for some reason, I started calling them the party at some point in my notes. I, I'd sit, kind of switch between that and the group, but it's like, you know, it's like they're definitely the party. Like, that, I mean, Attica straight up has a noble background, so we know at least what some of his skills are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they leave the spa car, but uh, Tulip is a little bit distracted by her gloved hand hiding her number as they exit. Uh, but she resolves herself to stay focused on the next car ahead rather than trying to take a peek at the number. And when they open that, they see basically just a hodgepodge of mismatched buildings with some holes in the earth, floating rocks about. I don't know why my notes I put gloating rocks about. <laughs> it's definitely not the, the rocks are definitely not boasting about their accomplishments. Uh, but like very stuff like that, like. As we'll see later on in the episode, it's like most of the stuff that's scattered about is kind of like a like college town sort of aesthetic, but it's just kind of all scattered all over the place. <laughs> it's a it's a little bit of a funny setting for <laughs> the people in this town that we'll meet for it to be a college <laughs> campus, more or less. Yeah. But uh, one man gets distracted by the state of this car so much that he stops doing his little like goofy singing like he always does because he's one man. And the three of them eventually figure out that gravity here is all jacked up along the usual axis that the stairs and buildings are in. So, like, Tulip finds this out because she gets, like, pulled into a staircase that's, like, upside down above her. And, like, they see, like, you know, obviously there's, like, some, like, I think it's Atticus at one point is, like, up on, like, a wall, basically, because, like, a <laughs> house is on the side or something. Yeah, but that's good, though. Love to see a sideways corgi. <laughs> Is that just a corgi that lays down on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it can still walk like normal. <laughs> uh, that would that would actually be more freaky if you just saw a corgi lay on the ground, but it was still walking like normal while it's like pawing at the air and still propelling <laughs> itself forward and not like trying to pull itself along the ground with its paws. Like, I, yeah, that's how you know you're in horror movie shit if you see that happen. No, I do feel like corgis are kind of famous for specifically not laying down sideways. That's kind of their whole thing. <laughs> I guess actually that makes sense because like corgis don't have as long legs, so they wouldn't be able to easily get themselves back up if they lay on their side. No, they sploot. <laughs> yeah, sploots. <laughs> yeah, uh, just like bunnies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, while they're checking this out, uh, one of them's eyes light, like his little like eye lights change colors, and he gets very sad about the car being broken. Again, like kind of out of character for. Well, I guess it's not out of character for half of one one, but overall, like one one. <laughs> One one tends to be a little bit more chipper, and occasionally sad one comes out just to say like a, snark- a snarky little bit about whatever glad one said. But typically, it seems yeah. like glad one is like eighty percent the standard in terms of what one one's talking about at times. They also Easy. don't like. Obviously, this episode is a little different, but generally, one one doesn't do like a lot. He's mostly just there to yeah. ask if things are his mother and maybe make a joke. Yeah, like, I mean, pretty much the entirety of the season is focused on Tulip for the most part, which makes sense. I mean, like, the the season oh. is named after yeah, her, basically. Sure. So it's like, Atticus and 1-1 are kind of extraneous. So, like, this is, like, the first time we really get anything focused on 1-1 in particular. But, yeah. But he gets interrupted by some turtle people arriving. To, which One of which is... I forget if he says his name is... If his, like, title's, like, King or Emperor or whatever. But... He introduced himself as Aloysius III. He's just a turtle man wearing a crown, much like Atticus <laughs> is just a dog wearing a crown. Uh, uh, interesting. Like he's also the only turtle that actually like walks on all four feet. I guess because he's old, so he just can't support himself as much. Because all the other turtle people we see in this episode walk on two feet. 
Uh, Emperor, yes. Emperor, yeah. That that tracks. Yeah, because like, it's. Yeah, because like, because uh, Atticus introduces himself as King Atticus, right? He sure scene? does. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, same thing more or less. <laughs> Just the size of your empire, I guess, that or kingdom that determines whether you're king or emperor. <laughs> Uh, Tulip tries to hurry through introductions, but Atticus wants to chat with another member of royalty for a bit, cause, uh, but they're likewise distracted by one one trying to dismantle a turtle-themed seesaw, which, it's also, just like, again, I realize that the seesaw is actually intentionally designed this way based on this episode, but it's actually not, like, evenly spaced out, so this actually would not be a very good seesaw, <laughs> but that's kind of just the aesthetic of the unfinished car going on. Yeah, and... I like this place a lot, but there's definitely some stuff that would be inconvenient about it. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, yeah. But he explains that the seesaw was going as he describes it, but that it should be going whoop whoop, as he also describes it. I don't <laughs> feel like seesaws should be going whoop whoop. Uh, that's, this is his terminology, not mine. <laughs> I know, but he's wrong. <laughs> he is, but at the same time... Maybe he's hearing something different about it besides just in general. Like, I mean, to be fair, this seesaw doesn't have, like, those, like, cushioned parts on the bottom to, like, help when you actually hit the ground. So it's, like, it's just going to be you smacking onto a piece of wood that hits the ground. It's just <laughs> not very comfortable. Uh, but, yeah, but in any case, Tulip says that she's sure that they have... And this really makes me relate to Tulip at times because she says, like, a turtle technician, and then she starts trying to figure out ways to just combine them as a goof until she settles on technician. <laughs> Which is like, yes, this is definitely something I do of, like, trying to combine words, trying to make a pun based on both of them. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised uh, on how long they spend on this, considering how short the episodes are. Yeah, like, they spend, like, a good, like, what, 10, 15 seconds or whatever, maybe Yeah, they sure do. Just trying to think of a, of a joke. But yeah, uh, she says that their technician can adjust it and that they should head on out. So she picks him up and he is wor- and it, she's just worried because he just basically groans a lot. Just just say like just prolonged like Ugh. <laughs> just keeps going. Uh, but they head into town and come across what the turtles describe. What, what's that? At least it's one of the turtles. I think it calls it the all natural jam pond that turtles slide through like a traffic intersection and also eat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not sure how this thing gets replenished if they're also eating the sidewalk, basically. But they use this. It's uh, fine. But, Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it regenerates over time, like every day or something. But all the while, one one is just fussing over the state of the buildings, with having like missing walls, being upside down on their side and stuff, whatever. Just everything just being as like, you know, as what we would think would be like, you know, just out of place. Like this 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 entire train car basically looks like it's like somebody was just having fun and like unity or something and just tossed a bunch of stuff everywhere. <laughs> it's like that it's like that beam uh like that oh what was it called the beam mg or whatever car game that you could just basically like smash cars together or whatever nothing in it made sense really besides just smashing the cars uh sorry i've got no idea uh you're probably better for it because i only learned about that game because of carboys and meanwhile it's like well one half of carboys was definitely a sexual predator oh, well whoops <laughs> yep that whole deal oh boy <laughs> Uh, in any case, uh, da, 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 yeah, where was I? Uh, yeah, Tulip says that this place is relatively normal by train standards to one one because he's like, everything's all weird and wonky, and it's like, we've, we've seen way weirder shit, my guy. I <laughs> mean, it's hard to argue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he is just too distracted by those cars not being, in his words, broken, like this one is, as he puts it. <laughs> 
but they arrive at the door out of the train car, but when one wiggles out of Tulip's arm to try and put some like loose bricks back together, and as he's doing this, Atticus wants to stay a little bit longer to chat with Aloysius more, because he sees him in his kingdom as a potential ally. Again, I'm not sure what kind of, like... <laughs> is Atticus fighting a war against other train cars or something? <laughs> that he needs allies to help <laughs> or something? Well, they know. are trying to hunt down a big scary monster. True, I guess. Yeah, that does track. But it's like, is there like a, is there like a cat kingdom car or something that he's like, we're gonna have to fuck him over, we have to fight them? I mean, maybe? Uh-huh. <laughs> It does, like, there are a fair amount of similarities between the two cars, so it's possible that he just sees a lot of himself in this. Yeah, I mean, like, I think even at the start of the episode, like, in Cyber Tulip, I guess that even says, like, the countryside of this area kind of looks a little bit like Corginia. Yeah, exactly. Again, somebody is just playing around with Unity, I guess. They just are copying and pasting the environment, too. They're like, oh, we, we have, like, different buildings, at least. Instead of, like, ancient Greece kind of buildings, like, we have, like, college campus, I guess. We'll toss them with the turtles, sure. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, uh, like at some point, the person was just, like, being like, oh, none of this stuff fits right together. Oh, fuck it, I'll get back to this some other time. It just did not. <laughs> That's why it looks like this. Um, uh, but, yes. But Atticus wins over Tulip to stay a little bit by doing the little doggy head tilts. Because, of course, he's a dog, so he's going to make dog jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while the two walk off, she goes to check in on one one who basically one one just says that he just knows that this brick isn't supposed to be here because he just knows. Uh, and she does concede that at least maybe somebody could accidentally trip over some loose bricks, but one one just basically takes this as an affirmation that he should totally try and fix a loose house he also sees. <laughs> because, oh no, this is just escalating. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we move on to Aloysius giving uh, Atticus the door. I don't know why I kept also at this point in my notes started writing Aloysius in all sorts of different ways. <laughs> so I kept writing, I kept switching around the I and the U. I don't know why, but also Aloysius is like the kind of name that like is spelt so much different than you might think it'd be pronounced. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know, at least in my in my mind. But yeah, in any case, he goes and gives Atticus the tour of his town car. I guess <laughs> whichever you describe it as. Uh, showing that they basically built their mail delivery service around a hole in the ground, which just full-on has some part of the train car broken away to reveal the train tracks. <laughs> and, what but fun the, is it if the whole thing works properly? I guess, yeah. But uh, basically, the speed of the train underneath like blows the mail all across town. Not to the right destination at all, but close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Aloysius says it's fast and everybody gets something, so everybody is happy that nobody has an empty mailbox. So I, I guess, if they're happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as they walk away from that, uh, one one's uh, like split both of his ass to get apart to be able to push a board over it. Uh, and later on, Atticus asks about the buildings with a wall missing, because it's like, oh, well, like, your buildings don't actually have all the walls. But Aloysius just explains this as people loving the fresh air and having easy access to clothing lines to dry their laundry. Which I have to point out, this turtle hanging up laundry ain't wearing clothes at the moment, so where's the turtle making laundry from? <laughs> <laughs> like, is this turtle just, like, doing laundry perpetually just to have fun and <laughs> something to do? I mean... Maybe, and I'm going back to the same well in the episode, but maybe it's a My Little Pony thing, huh? They don't need clothes, but if they like them, it's there. I guess, yeah. I mean, the the male lady turtle definitely has, like, a male delivery outfit. But, like, 
Uh, most of the turtles are just like turtles. Like the only other one, it, I don't mention in my notes at all. But the, one of the other turtles we do see wearing clothes is this like joke, like uh, like detective who keeps showing up, talking on like a cord, a phone that's like a cord phone that is broken away from the actual rest of the phone. <laughs> so he's talking to his like superior at the office or whatever on it. Like just always showing up all the time. So like he's wearing a detective outfit, but still it's like yeah. most of these turtles don't wear clothes. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, uh, where are we? Yep. Uh, Atticus is impressed at how they've managed to accommodate their lifestyles to how things are in the unfinished car. And naturally, as they walk away, one of them starts building a wall at the turtle's home. Well, the turtle just kind of stands there and just watches. Uh, but yeah, but I did like at least the line that Aloisa says. It's like, yeah, this is just the way things are here. So it's like, it's not like any of them are like focused on like, oh, things are not right in this car. They're just like, yeah, this is just how it is. We just work around it as best we can. That's fine. <laughs> Very accommodating. Uh, basically, but uh, during all this, uh, oh, I, I did skip over it. Uh, after one one had moved the board over the hole, he did basically like push Tulip to with like a bucket to help out with some stuff. <laughs> because in this scene, we see her being just being fully constricted by one one to help clean up the jam ponds more or less because she's just there trying to wipe it away with the bucket and a rag and everything. And, but as she's going and cleaning it up, she finds another one of those ex- exposed train orbs, because I don't know what these things have actual names, so I'm just calling them train orbs. <laughs> uh, basically, it was just co- they're like covered by the jam, which I don't know how none of these turtles have ever collided with this thing before, because the jam doesn't seem that thick enough to be covering this thing fully that none of them ever bumped into it and knocked it out before. <laughs> But in any case, uh, when she goes ahead and very smartly decides to remove it, the jam starts to turn gray. So she hurriedly puts it back, which recolors the jam, and she like makes a mental note to write down not removing the orbs. But at this point, because she doesn't have her glove on because of cleaning up the jam, she's basically like staring at the back of her hand and about to like turn it over but stops herself before she does so and puts her glove back on. So at least she is showing a lot of restraint for a 13-year-old, I will say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at that point, she's like, oh, okay, it must be like time for us to go meet up because she basically told everybody to meet her back there in an hour. So she goes looking for the others near the door, but when they don't arrive on time, she goes back into town to basically try to look for them, and she sees people pissed about the jam having been partially cleaned up and that everybody's going to be slower getting around if they cannot slide. Because, you know, fair, they're turtles. Turtles don't walk very fast. But, uh, it's not even like she cleaned up a whole lot of it, but she cleaned up enough of it, I guess, that it fucks up one turtle sliding, and you just hear that turtle eat shit off screen. (laughs) Like, that turtle's probably dead, actually. (laughs) Like, uh, or at least turtles are pretty tough. Fair, yeah. But also, turtles are not used to, like, going super fast anyway. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically... She tries to apologize, but also sees the results of 1-1's other work, which is that the laundry turtle isn't able to hang up his clothes, because again, he has, I guess, another load to do and dry, because the the wall that 1-1 started to make, but then also abandons, just like whoever <laughs> designed the unfinished car, is in the way, so his line doesn't reach anymore. And the mail doesn't get blown around because of the uh, hole covered. I wrote the hole covered. Why are my notes so weird and bad? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the male turtle basically just dumps it all up on the uh, board and it's just like, why is it blowing? What? 
Uh, but at that, basically just fucking Armageddon starts to effect, actually happen here, because the sky just darkens and turns into basically like a big cyclone up in the sky, <laughs> and it just starts to suck up a bunch of the town up into it, and she finds Atticus and Aloysius there near the train car door, pointing out that one one's high up above them on what I'm gonna say is probably a part of a clock tower from where one yeah, one's in, it looks like it's right. like... Part- yeah, it looks like that's the closest that it would be. Like it's like some sort of like archway that would be on the top of a building, basically. <laughs> but they can't reach him at all. And at that, he goes and removes another orb, which basically causes uh, stairs to float up towards him. And I don't know what logic this is, but at the same time, the train makes no sense anyway because Eloise is, describes that these stairs in particular are apparently world-bearing walls, I guess, because <laughs> if all the staircases in particular float away the entire gravity of the kingdom will be fucked and it'll just be everything's ruined fully <laughs> so i don't i don't know how he knows this or also it's like why is it these stairs in particular that are holding gravity together in terms of like the entire world but whatever let's take him for his word i guess i guess yeah yep uh Magic stairs. So, yeah but uh Tulip of all of them, since I guess she's like, I guess the most able to actually get around by having hands still, uh, starts to basically use the floating terrain and wonky gravity to be able to reach 1 1. But he just explains that he's here to get this world back in order. And at this point, both glad and sad ones start talking in unison, very obviously and creepy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very strange to hear them superimposed on top of each other, and it's very unsettling. Yeah, uh, and he goes and. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's I have some difficulty thinking about them because like they are two individual entities, but even as a singular entity they only use he him and that really messes with my yeah, head dramatically. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean I have obviously noticed at times you refer to one with they them pronouns because of that, but it's like yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, in the show and on the wiki they only really use he him, so that's why I kinda just default to that myself, but it's like it makes sense. Like I think it's like more in particular, like if like the if the sides at the halves are like split, then it's like more like it's like well, there's like two of them walking around, scuttling about like crabs yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, like... I mean to be clear, it's not that I, I'm not referring to them with they them as like a pronoun set. I'm pluralizing, and I know that's confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, there are two different like uh, sides here that can talk individually of each other and also split apart to be two separate things. So yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in any case, uh, one one then pulls out another orb that just causes all the gravity to start to go, so, like, everybody in town starts floating a little bit, but not as much as, like, gravity super to reflect, I guess. <laughs> uh, but Tulip asks him why he's doing this, and he just replies with having to put things in order, and that this car wouldn't be like this if he was just better, so... Depressing and also foreshadowing, <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like, if you didn't think one one has, like, real significance already, this episode basically just confirms that, yeah, there's something going on with one one that is, like, pretty important to this car. <laughs> or this train driver, not the car no, in town. I think it's probably fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, it's just, you know, we just happen to have seen two instances in which a cat tried to secure one one to give to, you know, the weird uh, tentacle robot thing and this other person who has the weird sine waves face so it's like yeah it's totally fine there's nothing wrong going there's nothing going on with one one at all why would there be that's ridiculous all coincidental i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) yes in any case uh one one thinks that it's his fault that the car is out of order but tulip tells him that it's not broken and it's just the way it is and that him trying to make it his responsibility is actually causing real harm 
And then she speaks from experience that this situation isn't his fault, and appeals to still wanting to help him, despite everything. And, you know, based on her talk with him, he's eventually convinced to put the latest orb back and stop messing with things. He doesn't put any of the orbs back in, I'll say. (laughs) He doesn't... None of them do anything to try to help set up this place and make it not be fixed at all. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He puts one back back in one orb this way, at least gravity's normal for most of this place, but everything else is still jacked up. Yeah, they don't fix the gem pond. (laughs) No, they really don't. But in any case, they go and apologize to Aloysius, and Atticus offers the Corginians to offer assistance with the cleanup. I'm not sure how he's going to let the Corginians know, because he's not able to communicate back with the Corgi car because mm-hmm. he has not told them that he hasn't died or that he's on an adventure. So again, and also Corgi- there are presumably like dozens of cars away at this point. That would be a truly yeah. epic quest for them to get there to help. Yeah. Like, especially, yeah. If it's like, if the turtles have to go in his stead to be like, uh, King Atticus uh, has sent us as envoys to enlist your aid and s- fixing our home and everything. It's like, well, first off, Unless Atticus is able to, like, sign a document that Julep presumably has to write and then, like, puts his paw print on it to let him know that it was him or something who authorized it. It's like, <laughs> they're not going to believe that. And also, again, they're turtles. They're going to take weeks to get back there. <laughs> <laughs> In any case. Uh, again, At least the turtles have hands, because... This is true. The turtles do have hands. <laughs> Seemingly. I mean, we have seen one hold up phone and, like, use, like you know deliver mail and yeah. like hang out clothesline so they have more hands than the corginians at the least so i don't know actually what the corginians are going to do to help fix this <laughs> uh but whatever in any case uh the group does not help out with fixing this place up even though two like tulip and to a much more extent one one are responsible for this you know tulip only because of the jam thing she actually didn't do anything else but still yeah none of them fix anything none of them put any of the words back they just are like yeah we're gonna fucking go <laughs> Uh, but as they leave the train car, uh, one one has a little bit of an odd moment where, like, his like face lights light up again in different colors, and he restates his name and acts like his usual cheery self, basically. And at this, as they're walking away to the next train car, the camera lingers on a strange panel next to the door. So also, definitely not ominous at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably fine. Like I say, I mean, it just wouldn't make sense for there to be anything weird about 1-1. He's just such a normal guy. Yeah, it's definitely just like, this is just a normal-ass train. Like, you know, when you go to when you go to work, you know, into the city and everything, you know, you just have to go through, like, the turtle car or the corgi car. <laughs> it depends on the day, like, you know, wherever you can find seating. But it's like, yeah, like, you get off the train immediately, right? <laughs> it's just normal train shit. Uh, also, also, it was something I forgot that we uh, didn't mention last week. Uh, one of the bits of trivia from last week, when the uh, the robot squid person said, return to your seat, that's actually a reference to the pilot, because uh, when Tulip wakes up on the train initially, she's actually in like a regular train car with seating and everything. <laughs> so that was also from that. I don't, it's a, I don't know if there's like further implication of the why that line would remain, or if they just decided to reuse it or something, but it's like... <laughs> We haven't seen any actual seats on this train so far. No, we sure haven't. At least not in terms of, like, a regular train seat. Like, there's been other parts where Tulip could sit down, but it's like we haven't seen a train seat. Listen, as we covered in the first episode, she did not buy a ticket, so she does not have a seat on this train. Also true. She doesn't have a seat to return to because she didn't buy a train. Maybe if she actually bought a ticket and didn't just sneak on, maybe she would have a seat. It would have been all worked (laughs) out by now. 
But yeah, no, that's it that I have for that episode. Yeah, um, I Depressing. don't really have much else to say about this episode except uh, uh, how to put this. This episode is extremely relevant to season three, so remember it. But okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say why or how, but yeah, it's this is like a crucial linchpin of season three. <laughs> So just remember these turtle guys uh, okay, for like the cool. next six months while we cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, like uh, it's taking us like a little over a month to get through one season. So like, yeah, uh, let's see. We'll finish. Se- I think we. I think we figured out we're gonna be able to finish. Se- like we're gonna be like I think the first uh, two episodes into season two before we break for the outhouse finale. Okay. Yeah. So like yeah, and then like we'll basically have like the rest of April for season two. Actually, it's maybe closer. Maybe like sometime in May, <laughs> or maybe early June is when we'll get there, depending. <laughs> okay, well that's not that bad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just an episode that it's like yeah, it's like again, it's one of those like yeah, one one sure is getting some characterization, and it's like oh, he thinks that everything his is his fault, and he has to fix it, and it's like. Uh, mood at times, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very weird in a way, because, like, they spend all this time setting up, I guess, the the RPG party, for lack of a better word, because you've got your Tulip and your 1-1 one, one and your Atticus, and mm-hmm. a lot of the time they just don't really do anything with that, so... Yeah, like, that's the thing, like, I mean... We met Atticus back in episode three, and, like, aside from, like, that episode, where obviously, like, him showing up is, like, propelled the plot for that episode, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's really not done a whole lot since, besides kind of the times it's being a bit comic relief. Well, that, but even there, like, in in this episode, in your episode, he actively serves as a detriment to the party, because if he had not wanted to stay and talk with Aloysius more, then Tulip would have just grabbed 1-1 and left the car. The end. Yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously we can't blame him for what happens to the town, because, I mean, 1-1's the one doing that. Yeah, but obviously, still. but like that's yeah. the biggest impact he's had, and it's to damage them. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Just based on what I'm remembering again of the last remaining four episodes, I don't think Atticus really gets to do a whole lot overall unless he comes back in a later season, but I also don't think he does. At least I wouldn't think he would. There's definitely an Atticus episode coming up. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I do remember what leads into, like, the last... Uh, you, either the last or the second last episode, I uh-huh. remember. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Something involving him, but I don't think there's, like, a like equivalent of, like, this episode where it's an Atticus episode, right? Uh, yeah, no, I'm fairly sure it's not, but that would be episode eight, so that's... Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah that's next week. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we have any questions or anything else before we get to trivia? We do not. If you have questions in the future, you can find us at usweirdoscast on Twitter, uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com, uh, at usweirdos on co-host, or even just in the Audio Entropy Discord. But this week, we do not have any questions, no. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably get some, like, clothes at, like, the end of the season, probably, or at the start of the second season. <laughs> just because of uh, how the first ends, and like again, I I know things about some of the other seasons more as of the second season because I. Oh right, yeah, I guess we meet the 
spoilers, I guess. We meet the protagonists of season two next episode, don't we? Uh, we definitely meet somebody next episode. Yeah, I, I think that is them. Yeah, <laughs> fun. That's uh, that's that's also an existentially horrifying episode when you get down to it. Actually, <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are. That's kind of the yeah, thing. I mean, yeah, show. yeah, that, that is kind of just Infinity Train as a whole, which I get that. That's why like Infinity Train has a like older audience because it's like yeah, people our age are like yep, uh, been been there, <laughs> done a lot of this stuff before. Uh, in any case, uh, let's get to the trivia bit. I finally actually do have Sula's parents on here because they actually have voice lines. But <laughs> before that, we'll we'll cover uh, Michaela just because I have uh, the Wikipedia article open for her actress, which is uh, Regan Gomez Preston. Uh, basically, she was Heather on Freaky Friday. She was also scrolling through this real quick. Uh, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. Uh, I didn't realize that she was actually, you know, a person I recognized. Uh, she is Jenny and Kiki Pizza on Theory Universe. I did not realize that. <laughs> um, you obviously have no contact yeah, with them. No. They're, 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 yeah, in, in Theory Universe, there's, like, a couple of families that have, like, food-based last names. Like, the, the pizzas, like, their dad is, like, kind of rivals with, uh, like, the dad who's runs the fry shop, whose last name is Fryman. <laughs> Yeah, there's like an entire episode about like the pizza and fry wars of old. Apparently, <laughs> it's it's a goofy episode, but uh, All right. yeah, Je- Jenny and Kiki come up at times uh, throughout the the show. Like, they're like, they're, they, I mean, I'm trying to think back to like some of their like ep- key episodes. Like, there's definitely one that's like one of them dealing with stress from caused by the other one just basically blowing off work, helping out of the shop, and all. So it's like. They're, they're just, like, side characters. One of them gets, like, a little bit more focused just because... Oh, I think it's Jenny, because she's, like, part of, like, the cool kids group, which is, like, includes uh, the mayor's son and sour cream, and I think there's another guy. Uh, yes, there's a guy There's a guy on Steven Universe called Sour Cream. He has a half-sibling brother called Onion. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, Steven Universe is weird at times and stuff like this. Getting a lot so, of Dragon Ball the... vibes from this. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's basically her, like, major credits. There's, like, a few other things, like, uh, she's apparently in, like, side characters in, like, shows like Rick and Morty at times, and, uh, she was apparently Sheila in the Amanda show, which is a show I definitely did not remember existed. <laughs> I don't know how you could possibly forget the Dancing Lobsters. Oh, right, yeah, okay, right, now I remember, yes. You <laughs> <laughs> have to say that. Nothing about the actual show itself besides the Dancing Lobsters. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, uh, getting to the actual voice actors that show up a lot more, uh, Tulip's mom, Megan, is voiced by Audrey... Oh, I definitely have not practiced this last name. Uh, apologies. Uh, Wasilewski, is how I'm gonna say it? Uh, who voices the Alpha RV officer in Everything Everywhere All at Once. I, I don't know if that's, like, just the program or something, because I still have not, unfortunately, seen Everything Everywhere All at Once. I need to watch um... that. I know that character. It's a very minor role, but I know exactly who you're talking about. So okay, cool. The fact that there are uh, like 200 characters in that movie, and I can still oh you, boy, <laughs> you can say that name, and that provokes a reaction. Should tell you something about the quality of the movie. Oh yeah, I mean, I've heard nothing but praise about that movie. I just have not watched it yet. <laughs> but yes, uh, other than that, she also voices Tucker Carbuncle, Misty. J7, oh, that, that, sorry, no, that's a different guy, uh, sorry, different person, uh, XJ7 and XJ8 in My Life as a Teenage Robot. Oh, okay. Uh, 
she's the voice of Arlene in various more recent, kind of like early like m- like mid like 2010s Garfield media, like the Garfield show and Garfield's Pet Force. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> not I like mean, older just... Arlene. The Garfield from, like, show the is relatively recent, so. Okay, I think Pet Force was a little older though. I believe that's correct. And yeah. and the the funniest credit that I put in here is that she was the voice of Stealthel from Skylanders. R.I.P. Skylanders. You you're killed because Activision made too much of you. <laughs> Uh, if you say so, it always seemed insufferable to me from day one. I mean, yeah, the Toys to Life thing was also, it was definitely not going to last for long, but it's like, the fact that they made a Skylanders game every year for like five years is like, that's too much. Well, that's, and like, I mean, I played Disney Infinity, I collected the Amiibos, I played Lego Dimensions, it's not the Toys thing that bothered me, it's just the, the game Skylanders itself. itself seemed so obnoxious on its face i don't know yeah like once once they got to the point where you could like mix and match parts from them it seemed like that was like oh yeah you're maybe getting a little bit too much with these <laughs> and i'll I mean, admit at least part of that is because i worked at the electronic section at target when it came out <laughs> and, and hated it on principle <laughs> well there was a uh, a display console in the skylanders aisle Oh, I think you mentioned this at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, the the main villain, Master Chaos, is voiced by what's his name, who does Invader Zim, and it's just the Zim oh, voice. Right. right. So it was just him yes. screaming all day long every time someone walked past the display console because it was motion sensitive. So. Oh, that's a nightmare. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, marketing towards kids is fucked. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on from Skylanders. <laughs> The two, the two, the weird intersection of things we talked about on the show in the last few weeks: Lord of the Rings and Skylanders, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, in any case, Tulip's dad, Andy, is voiced by Mark Fight. I believe it's Fight. It might be Fight or Fite. It's just F I T E. Uh, he basically, it's kind of sort of like a little bit more like him, like uh, voicing like smaller characters. Like he's like a bunch of various characters on SpongeBob. He's Getty in that Agents of Shield show, which I definitely never heard anybody really talk about. Sorry, what was that name? Getty or Jenny? Uh-huh. I don't. I, I don't know. Huh. I never saw Agents of Shield. Okay, I mean, I admit I only watched the first three seasons, but that's not a name I've ever heard before. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's in later on because I think there were like five seasons of Agents of Shield or something. I think so. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, but he also basically has had just like a bunch of like one-off guest appearances on stuff like Friends, Seinfeld, shows like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, one of Elaine's boyfriends in, like, an early episode of Seinfeld or something like that. Huh. Uh, but yeah. Uh, this is a guy we're well familiar with, because Eloise is voiced by our air quotes buddy, Matthew Reese, a.k.a. Emperor Bellows. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Bellows. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no shade towards Matthew Reese. <laughs> it's kind of harsh on me to have buddy in air quotes, but it's like, he does voice Bellows, and Bellows is an asshole. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. We've covered him before in the past, so I'm not gonna go into detail. Fair enough. Uh... So I do have uh, right here the the male lady turtle has a voice actress here. She basically just makes like little like sounds and not like actual voice here because like currently she's just voiced by Ashley Johnson in season one, but apparently will be later on voiced by Kirby Harold Baptiste. So I guess the turtle lady comes back probably in season three, like you said, the turtles are important, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but she is known for playing Nicole Mallory, or not Mallory, Malloy on Veronica Mars. Uh, Dr. May Turner in Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which I actually heard is pretty alright. <laughs> for being a kid's show on Netflix, it seems like people are actually into that. <laughs> uh, and she was also Taylor Harding on Why Women Kill. I haven't really seen Why Women Kill, but that was like one of the bigger credits, so I figured I should mention it. Uh, okay, 
just to be clear, this is Kirby Hell Baptiste we're talking about. Yeah. Death from the Sandman. I I didn't I never heard of that. To be fair. <laughs> oh my! I don't know how you missed yeah, it. Well, surprisingly, here at over a year into doing this, uh, somehow it has never really come out much that I just am bad with movies. I don't watch many movies. <laughs> no, the Sandman is one of the most famous comic books of all time. <laughs> And okay. it was adapted into a Netflix series, like, six months ago. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, that. Right, gotcha. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. I forgot that that was called Sandman, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you saying that jogged my memory, because I know we talked about that at some point in another episode. Yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> uh but yes. In any case, uh, one more voice credit, because I brought up the Detective Turtle, whose name is apparently Kevin. I don't remember when his name was said. <laughs> but he is voiced by Justin Michael, who is a writer on the show, and has not only like a few voice credits, but there were two ones that I found very funny, because he voices Funshine Bear on Care Bears Unlock the Magic, which I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that is. And he's also the voice of Nevin on... It's either the Fungies or the Fun Guys. I don't know how this is pronounced because it's written like F-U-N-G-I-E-S. <laughs> so I was like, that's probably Fungies, but also they kind of look like mushroom people from the picture. So it's like, they could just be the Fun Guys? I don't know. <laughs> was, I just found it very funny that he has just like these two silly credits. Uh, Care Bears Unlock the Magic is the most recent Care Bears TV series. Uh... It's kind of a My Little Ponyfication of it, and that's the third time uh, I, I brought you. up that series this week, so great job, man. <laughs> but it also introduces several uh, bears that are non-binary and they-them pronouns, so... Okay. Good on the Care Bears, I guess. Again, yeah. conversation would not think I was having in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I only have a few little bits of trivia from other points in these episodes, uh, aside from like the thing I mentioned from previous episode. Uh, the voice credits from uh, the cat's car basically uh, say that Tulip was at five years old, six years old, and eight years old at different points in these memories. <laughs> so again, like, kind of just confirms that, like, yeah, she was still probably like twelve or thirteen at the time of the bit with learning other parents were taking some time off from each other. Uh, the other things I have here is that uh, the Harry the Bike Guy commercial is a reference to a very real commercial of Eric the Bike Man, <laughs> who is the spokesperson for his own bike shop in Minnesota. <laughs> Weird pull, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess it's regionally appropriate. Um... Yeah, tracks, I guess. <laughs> and the other thing that I have here is that there was actually a reason given for why the jam turned gray according to the crew, because it was because it was starting to lose its flavor when the orb was taken out. <laughs> okay. It's not just that it's just turning to ash or whatever. It's actually just, I guess, starting to not taste like jam. So maybe it tastes like ash if you actually tried to eat it. Uh, I don't know if I would want to try to eat the bad jam. Oh, yeah, no. No. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I would actually describe this trick-or-sweet bear as goth just because they're wearing a wizard hat. <laughs> they're, emo they're whatever emotional power is Halloween. Come on. I, okay, I guess. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Sorry, again, this is something that it's like, unless we actually put this in the show notes, which I don't think we had the ability to do so, this is def I mean, people could Google trick-or-sweet bear if they want to see this Care Bear. Also, they have <laughs> ADHD. Oh, 
Okay. Again, good representation, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is all I have, though. Okay. That's that's quite a lot, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we at least had much more to talk about in these two compared to last week. I kind of feel like I need to come up with a new bit, because when there's no questions, especially now that we're in this show, you're just going for, like... I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> That is how it was at times, like, I mean, like, aside from, like, when you had, like, the 80s bit for she it's like, you know, back in the Owl House days, it was, like, there were times where it's like, yeah, just talking about what was going on in general with the trivia and stuff, and I also had, like, the artist stuff, so it was like, yeah, yeah. I had a lot, but it's like, you know, it just happens. That's fair, but it's it's just a lot to put on you, so I'll do some workshopping this week, and I'll come up with a bet for next week, don't you worry. Okay. It may not be good, and it may not be sustainable, but it'll be a bit. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta gotta give them the bits. Insert that gif of uh, Steven and Amethyst just going, the bits, the bits. Uh, Yep, nope, still got nothing. (laughs) That's also whenever, because the whole thing is that Steven doesn't really ever get actual food from the fry shop. He just asks for the the deep fried bits that are at the bottom of the tray all the time. I see. The thing you have to learn about Steven Universe is that he does not really have a very healthy lifestyle. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> At all. I mean, somehow his dad managed to actually, like, afford building a house on the beach, but he lives in his van and doesn't really, like, take part in his, like, son's, like, upbringing much because he just lets his, like, uh, gay gem ants, more or less, uh, raise him for him. <laughs> but, like... Steven has never been to school. <laughs> the, and rest assured, there are reasons why that they get into an episode in Steven in the future, and uh, Steven is pissed when he learns why. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out when you're instead uh, basically decide to uh, do a war against an intergalactic empire and then find out you could have been a normal kid and gone to school, you get pissed. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, you know, this is bitch. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of making the choice to do a war against an intergalactic empire instead of being a normal kid, uh, if you're interested in more stories about that, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash usweirdos, where at the most basic level of the Patreon, you will get an entire podcast about choosing to do an intergalactic war instead of being a normal kid. I was about to be like, how are you looping this into Infinity Train? And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> right. X-Files. Duh. Um... Obviously. <laughs> Yep, 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 for sure. Yeah, that that other podcast we do that uh, <laughs> somehow forgot temporarily, despite us doing it for like five weeks now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, as of this recording, we have just started uh, book two, The Visitor, and we're going to be taking another chunk out of it this week. So if that's something you'd be into, uh, we'd love to have you. We do have higher levels with more bonus stuff, but I'm not going to give you a whole rundown every week because, you know, that... Nobody wants to hear that every week. And, of course, we need to do a Patreon shout-out. We probably should have done it in between the episodes, but I forgot. Oh, so sue yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, you just admitted that you yourself would begin to hearing that spiel every week. Sorry? See, I can I can make the nobody joke, too, because you said nobody wants to hear that every week. Ah, yes, okay. <laughs> I can do the bit Excellent. as well. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I got one in, finally. <laughs> Nailed uh, it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to explain the joke, so I guess I didn't nail it, actually. <laughs> I just didn't even hear it. <laughs> uh, fair. Uh, listen, uh, 
I pay hyper close attention to when other people say the word because then I can jump in <laughs> on it. But I don't pay as much attention to my own speech patterns. <laughs> um, Fair. But yeah, so uh, as of the moment, we still just have the one. So uh, thank you to Casey Cosmos, Aurora Borealis. You know, two names. It's good. I like it. I'm in the same club. <laughs> but seriously, uh, past guest, champion question asker, Casey, Aurora. They're great. <laughs> Yep. Thank you, Casey, as always. Hope you're enjoying the X-Files. <laughs> On top of that, we have a second patron to shout out this week, so welcome and thank you very much to Trigger Harpy. We're so glad to have you on board and, uh, you know, enjoy getting yerked. Uh, and yeah, um, I don't know, I think that pretty much covers us for this episode, right? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Because, like, I mean, obviously we don't have, like, an 80s equivalent for this because it's not an 80s show. Yeah, for sure. Oh, God. Could you imagine what Infinity Train back in the 80s was like before they would have done this version? Infinity Train back in the 80s would have been so bad. Yeah, probably. It would have had, like, three cars and just put different characters in them. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they would have done. Uh yeah, um, if you have enjoyed this rambunctious rambling, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket. Uh, I've been a little wild on Twitter this week. I'm hoping that that won't continue, but this is what happens when I'm bored. Uh, <laughs> I'm also on co-host at Nobody and on the series All on the Table, which is presented by The Transverse, a uh, series of actual play games made for and by trans people. The next game I'm going to be on is on the 25th of March, uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern, in which I will be playing a small blob of slime who is trying to figure out how meat people work. <laughs> huh, yeah, sounds interesting. Uh, really haven't watched it myself yet, but yeah, I mean, considering that you're basically like saying that you're more or less trying to play like an even dumber version of Skip from <laughs> uh, Star Star Galaxy. <laughs> Oh, no, not even. Project 617 is a doctor. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. I mean, Skip is royalty, so I think Skip still outclasses you, unfortunately. <laughs> um, he doesn't want to be, but he still is. Uh, in any case, uh, I, as always, am at the underscore of Livivian. I probably need to actually think of a better way to phrase that because the at always underscore like saying the underscore always sounds weird to me a little bit. I think it's just because it's short. <laughs> I don't know. I've changed my Twitter handle like eight times in the course of the show already. <laughs> and none of I was like even thinking of it earlier. It's like, yeah, if you're listening to our backlog, like you won't find me based on any of those old names <laughs> or Twitter handles. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you just have to look for the yes weirdos handle and then you find me in there because I have myself in the scripter anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did update that to at least have the link to the Patreon in there in addition to the podcast link. <laughs> uh. <laughs> How's the slime wearing a little backpack? <laughs> <laughs> when your entire body is a pseudopod to be extruded, you can certainly extrude it through some backpack straps. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Uh, yes, that is all our plugs, so uh, until next time, I guess there's not much left to say, but uh, remember, us weirdos have to stick together. together. Bye! Bye. <laughs>